0: It's a crime. This information has been suppressed this long. Now
1: let's get on with the podcast. Okay, we're going to start out this episode of the steroids podcast today talking about roid rage. So um, if there's any confusion on whether or not roid rage exists, let me tell you this. Steroids whether they're estrogen progesterone testosterone etc whether they're male or female having steroid levels be uh changing fluctuating in your body and having abnormal levels of them is going to affect your mood so when you're using steroids it's going to affect your mood okay You know how women on birth control, it affects their mood. It affects the way they feel. So using steroids using uh, for muscle building, it affects your mood and the way you feel, okay? So it doesn't do it all the time. It doesn't change your personality. It just if you had like an equalizer, you know how you have an equalizer for audio and it has low frequencies, low mid, mid-range frequencies, and then high-range frequencies, mid-high range frequencies, you know, you can adjust all these levels, okay, so those levels of you and your personality that are already there, um, it, taking the steroids, it, adjust some of those levels on that equalizer you know like some of those lows or some of those highs and like adjust some up and down and just in general there's a little more highs and lows uh, they definitely don't force you to do anything they don't force you to do any kind of bad behavior um, some people say like oh well like I acted that way because I was on roids and You know, the roids may have influenced you a little bit to have a certain initial reaction to a certain situation because they can do that. They can influence you, influence your initial reaction that your body has where where you feel a certain way within moments uh, in a in a situation dealing with other people. But just like alcohol, they don't force you to do anything they certainly do not force you to be violent. Um, That's definitely a misconception. Uh, You know what the kind of people that take steroids generally um, feel a bit insecure uh, or they are perfectionists, you know, and perfectionists. The reason why they feel insecure is because they have such high expectations for themselves. Or you know somebody that just starts out with a big ego obviously for every positive there is also the negative so starting out with a big ego also have you know some large insecurities and so that person uh, has high expectations very high expectations for themselves and that that can uh, be a type of person that can be being affected emotionally by the by having hormones in their body bottom line is what i wanted to say is that it's just like alcohol though or anything else it doesn't force you to do any behavior or any action you're in control and the thing with the steroids too is that it doesn't like consciously affect your mind or like make you high or anything like that so uh you're very much in control you may be influenced a little bit to uh be in certain moods but the bottom line is that you don't want to be a bully and you're going to be bigger and stronger than other people and then here's what steroids do do is they take away the fight or flight uh impulse on the on the flight side they they make it so that you're not scared all right there's a wind blower you're going to have to deal with that for a moment. Sorry about that. Nothing I can do about it. Um with the steroids, they they're going to remove the feeling of fear when you get in a fight or flight situation where you get challenged to a fight or something like that or you're in a dangerous they don't remove the feeling of fear when you're in a dangerous situation so much. They cuz they do increase some like paranoia type of feelings but when you're gonna be in a potential altercation with someone you no longer have any sense of fear uh, associated with having it go to a physical point when you're natural you always feel like oh I you know that's the last goddamn thing that I want to happen or well, at least for the most part. At, at least for the most part. That's what you're thinking. Uh, for most people, there are some delinquents, you know, who like fighting. But most natural people who aren't on steroids are deathly afraid of fighting, okay? That's like the last thing on Earth that they want to do, okay? Uh, they They have a deep, deep fear of getting in a physical altercation. And I can tell you that when you are on steroids, you will not have that fear anymore. That that goes away. Okay? So, that's the truth. Alright? And um, just remember, though, that, you know, you've got nothing to prove if you're on steroids. You don't need to be physically fighting with people. Um, I mean, that's ridiculous. You're already big and strong. And everyone can see that and knows it and then if you go being this guy that's like you know like big and bigger and stronger than other people and you know people are already going to be just seeing you and thinking like oh well that guy's probably aggressive and then you just like prove that stereotype true uh by being some out of control you know monkey that you know is injecting himself with hormones and creating scenes in public you know getting in physical altercations can't control himself you you know it, it just makes you look like a complete a complete fucking loser dude you don't want to be that guy like you do not want to be that guy everybody's gonna be watching and not think it's cool if you're being aggressive and you're on steroids and you're fighting with people everybody's gonna be thinking like oh my god this guy is like such such a fucking loser, so, <laughs> so just just remember these things, okay? This is my two cents on roid rage. All right, all right. So I wanted to get onto the the first question now of the day, which uh, this one is from M W, and he asks, "Dear Dan, I have your book." I did a 10-week cycle with 250 testinanthate per week and 400 primo per week. What do you recommend for PCT? I have Clomid, Nova, HCG, Proviron. Also, I hear many guys use Proviron in PCT. Thanks in advance. Yeah, the Proviron in PCT. So, the Proviron in old guys, it increases their, their sperm count. I'm not sure if it does in younger guys or not Um, but what it does do really good is that it increases your sex drive your libido so if you go into PCT if I mean you just did a 250 testinanthate 400 premobolin per week cycle and now you're gonna do the PCT with the Clomid Nova HCG and Proviron I mean you might have a higher sex drive on your PCT than you had on your cycle if you used 50 milligrams of Proviron per day, for example. So that's how strong Proviron is at um, helping your sex drive. So that's why people like to use it during PCT. Um, generally, though, on on HCG, doing something like two or 3,000 IUs, per week. So, you know, like Monday and Thursday doing a thousand IUs or Monday, Wednesday, Friday doing a thousand IUs, something like that. And doing that of H C G human chorionic gonadotropin, uh intramuscular injection. Uh doing that for three, four, five weeks, six weeks or so, usually that's a fine PCT. Um, the Nolodex and Clomid Uh, You can put in there too and that will make it even better. You can do those at Novodex at 20 to 40 milligrams Clomid at 25 to 50 milligrams per day each uh, With the HCG in there at the dosages said before and then the provirin uh, Provirin starts to be effective at 25 milligrams per day and then from 50 to 75 milligrams per day. It's really effective Uh, it'll also has some oily skin effects and acne effects that it can have as you increase the dosage and it's usually like deep under the skin cystic acne so not fun type of acne that's if you're really susceptible to it but even me for example I get acne once I start running more if I run 50 milligrams provirin per day or more I'll start getting a little bit of acne Uh, and, and I'm somebody who doesn't normally get acne. I did when I was younger, but I took antibiotics for a few years. And also I used a isotretinoin gel on my face for about six months. And so that's like Accutane gel. Yeah. It's Accutane gel that I put on my face in the mornings. That's isotretinoin gel. Uh, it's the same thing as Accutane in the tablets except you put it on your face in a gel and that really burned when I put it on my skin it burns really bad for about 60 seconds and then uh, it's done and yeah I did that for six months after using tetracycline uh, and minocycline antibiotics for a couple of years, and that cleared up my acne, because I had, uh, you know, not like severe, severe acne when I was a teenager, but it was pretty bad. Uh, when I was starting when I was about 15 until I was 17, or no, probably stopped, kind of started going down when I was around 20 years old, 19 or 20 years old. Ac- acne wasn't, started getting not as bad anymore, but during those teenage years, I would have ones that It would make me, you know, a really big one that would make me look like I got punched in the face or, you know, stung by a wasp in the face or something. It would be really deep under the skin and it sucked. So uh, with the tetracycline, I used uh, 250 to 500 milligrams per day. My doctor prescribed that for me, my general practitioner doctor, 250 to 500 milligrams per day of tetracycline uh, for a couple years. And that is really effective because acne is caused by bacteria creating little infections in your skin. And if you're on the antibiotics, your body becomes an inhospitable place for your for bacteria. So when the bacteria make their way down into your pore, they can't replicate down there. They just die when they get down there. And so the the antibiotics when you take it like that um, daily and that's what I did for a couple years it makes your body a totally inhospitable place for those acne causing bacteria to get down into and get down into your skin they just die when they get in you so it sort of stops acne from the inside out so that was really really effective for me the thing with, with people that have acne is that I always think Man, you got to go to your doctor and get that taken care of uh, because they can really help you. They have stuff, and they will really help you. A lot of people s- want to go straight for Accutane, but that stuff is really harsh on your system. It makes it makes you pretty unhealthy while you're on it. It's, it's really a strain, and so they make you come see them and do blood work uh, once every two weeks or once a month when you're on Accutane. They really don't like to prescribe that one. But the other stuff, they can they can do the Accutane gel. They'll they'll prescribe that, no problem, usually, and also the antibiotics, very effective. If you're doing this stuff, like you know the the new thing that they've got on TV, or you know the new skin care product that says anti acne, advertised at the mall or whatever, the new celebrity is using, that that is nowhere that is that is nowhere near. As effective as what they can do for you at the doctor, and they can really solve your acne problems. So, for you guys that have acne, just go see your doctor, and they're gonna be more than happy to help you, you know, get that war zone off of your face. Cause that's what it was like for a lot of guys that I knew, and that's it was kind of a low grade war zone, I guess, on my face when I was a teenager, and that was like screwing up my life. Life is so much better without acne, so make sure to just go get a doctor's appointment or uh, something like that. You can talk to me a little bit more if you want. Hit me up if you want to talk a little bit more about acne. All right, next question is from Alien Genetics. I used about half cc of testinanthate from a vial about seven to eight months ago. I realized it may have not been the smartest thing. Is there a risk of infection even with sterile injection practices? Okay, so I think he's saying that he opened a vial of steroids from seven to eight, or he did it seven to eight months ago. And he was using it, like using testosterone from that vial, and then he waited seven to eight months. I think that's what he means. And then now... Seven to eight months later, after using it, he uh, he now is using it again. Uh, so the thing with this is, d- did you always draw with a clean needle that hadn't been into your body? A mistake that someone could make that could con- contaminate the vial would be uh, taking an injection and then... Sticking the needle back into the vial. I'm not saying that you did this. I'm just saying there's probably some people here listening to this who may have done this or may do this. Okay. And if you do stop doing it, (laughs) Uh, may have given themselves an injection, then taken the needle out of themselves and then stuck the needle back in the vial and filled up more oil and then giving themselves a second injection right there, you know, in the same go. Okay? And so if you're doing this, uh, just don't do it because you're contaminating the vial. Even though it is bacteria from your own body that you're, like, sticking into the vial. Like, with you put it in there and there's blood and fluid and everything, it, it is your own body, but it's not good. And something like that could cause infection. That could be introducing bacteria that could grow in the vial. Even though it's from your own body. But that would be not a good thing to do. That would be a way of contaminating the vials. So if you're going to inject yourself with the same needle that you draw with. uh, Draw the oil from the vial with. Then you, you can only do it one time. And it's done. So don't be trying to do it a couple times. And then the best way to do it is to have two needles. So... If you have a 3cc syringe it's good to start out and put something like an 18 gauge or a 20 gauge needle needle on the tip and stick it into the steroid vial and then pull back the plunger on the syringe and since you're using that big needle 18 gauge or 20 gauge it has a big circumference and the oil just comes flowing into the syringe very quickly, like really fast and really easy. You don't have to sit there spending time waiting for the oil to come into the vial from the suction. It's just like, boop, instant, comes in when you pull back the plunger. And then after you get get the oil that you want from the vial into your syringe, then you pull the needle, the 18-gauge needle, out of the, the steroids vial and you then take the uh, the needle off of the syringe. And so now you have a syringe with steroids inside with no needle. And now you attach a new needle that you have, something like a 25-gauge or a 27-gauge, right? And this is going to now be a brand-new, fresh needle that's never pierced anything. It never pierced any rubber in the steroid vial. And so it's going to be so sharp and pain-free and small, and you're going to attach that to the syringe, and then give yourself the injection. Um, that's the way that I do it. That's the best. That, in my opinion, that's the best way to do it, because if you are wanting pain-free injections, it makes a huge difference to not have had that needle go through the rubber stopper of the steroid vial. Before it you try to push it into your skin if you look at pictures that they they've taken pictures of the tips of needles uh, With electron microscopes, so it's very 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 small right at the tip and they show what it looks like after it's like passed through your skin or passed through something like that after it's been used once and the thing's all jagged and all bent up and stuff because it's so small and so, like, flexible. You don't want to be using, after you see something like that and how it's all curved and like a hook, <laughs> it's, it's on a microscopic level. You know, they're looking at this with an electron microscope to be able to see this, but it doesn't look good, man. It doesn't look good. So that, that's after it's been used once what happens to this very small, so tiny, sharp point tip of the needle. And, uh, you'll notice that if you just use this new needle that you put on after you take out the, uh, the steroid oil from the, into the syringe, if you just put on this new needle that is small and completely unused, never pass through anything, and then plunge it straight through into your skin, into your body, uh, it is so much more pain-free than the other way, than the other way, so... Um, that's what I think. Also, never obviously share steroid vials with anyone else. If anyone else has used anything from another steroid vial, just have a policy of you won't touch it. You will never touch it. If they ever offer anything to you or anything like that, just say no. Um, you should be doing, taking steroids should not be a social activity. Okay. Okay. Taking steroids should not be a social activity. It's something you do by yourself. So never do, never do any steroids from someone else's vial that they've used. Just keep that away from you unless it has the uh, cap on it. There's a little cap that you have to pop off the top of the vial to start using the vial and get to the rubber stopper. Make sure that that cap is on there. Okay, next question is from a man of God. Tom Platts has a freaky jaw, at 18. What do you think he was running? What would be the best anabolic androgenic steroid for bigger jaw other than surgery? How long would I have to run human growth hormone to get a bigger jaw? <laughs> um, yeah, so steroids do kind of change your face shape um, because there's muscles all over your face. And there's muscles that you use for chewing, but the main points of your head that change shape a little bit is the area right next to your temples. If you if you touch your temple, uh, you know, to right behind your eye socket on the side of your head, uh, if you put your hand there and you uh, close your jaw and flex it, you know, press your teeth together, and now open up open up your jaw all the way so that it's wide, and now close it again and flex your teeth together, you can see that there's a muscle right there on the side of your head that moves it, you know, you'll be feeling it right there in that area where your temple is behind your eye socket. And that area and that muscle that controls the chewing of your jaw like that, that grows, that grows definitely. And it changes the way that your head shape looks because you get this part of your head On the outside like that. That's growing outwards. And that's a super androgenic. Like athlete. Or super masculine. Like look. I'm not saying it's attractive. I'm just saying. Like how it's interpreted socially. So that is one major change. And it's the first change. To your head shape. That happens. And then. The next thing would be. The muscle under your chin and under your jaw, okay. The uh, the area, you know, it's above your neck, but then it's under under your jawbone, and the muscle there, it will start to grow and it will start to hang down below your jawbone, so you'll have your jawbone, um, on. You know, on the outside of your face and around where your chin is. But it'll almost look like you have a little bit of a double chin or like something hanging down like below your jaw. You there there's there's a look uh of there's something hanging down right below that jawbone (laughs) And and it's muscle. You'll see this on a lot of guys. A lot of big guys. Uh and and you'd be like, What the what the hell? Or something like that. Like I don't think most people notice it actually. It's it's not something that really jumps out at you, but a lot of guys, if you look, at, if you look at it that are, that are really big or, or just pretty big, you know, just guys who are using steroids frequently, you'll see them have, uh, this muscle that sort of looks like a double chin, just slightly, just slightly like a double chin or something. If you really look closely and it's this muscle hanging down below their jaw bones, that's a uh... That's the major changes that happen with your face shape. Um, as far as growth hormone, if you're just using something like four to six IUs per day, you don't really get side effects like bones growing all over the place unless unless you're unusual. But the majority of people don't get side effects like bones growing all over the place or changing head shapes or fingers or hands changing sizes, stuff like that. It, it doesn't really at dosages like four to six IUs per day there's not really a big effect seen with that uh it's it's guys that are using 10 IUs per day up for long periods of time they're the guys that are getting more side effects with things just growing on their body <laughs> uh so as far as my bones in my head go they haven't changed much while well, i've been using uh steroids they pretty much use they pretty much look the same as they always have the bones just the muscles that surround my head and uh my jaw they have changed okay next question uh, oh you said what steroids do that oh okay um you know testosterone does it and I-, I mean just anything that's really anabolic if you're building a lot of muscle and you're eating a lot of food uh you'll just start noticing it <laughs> and if if you're on the right roads to build a lot of muscle and you're eating a lot of food and, and you're building a lot of muscle strength and, and weight, you'll just start noticing it. Okay, so the next question is from Underwood. I've talked to a few guys who have felt that their body image is distorted. And one said that he thought every, everyone who uses steroids has at least a little body image distortion. What do you think? Yeah. I think that the reason for the body image distortion is because of expectations and self image. Okay, so when guys are natural, they might have a um, low body image because they want to look like uh, somebody who, you know, really looks different from the population. And, you know, everyone knows that they spend time at the gym and on their diet, you know, as soon as they see them. So, you know, that would be like a looking like a steroid user. That's, that's their expectations for themselves. So they can have a low body image and, you know, want their body in that way to reflect the time that they're putting in to their training and diet. But then, you know, once a guy's on steroids and he starts internalizing, you know, I use steroids, then he starts thinking in his head, you know, I need to look like, you know, I'm getting my gains out of, you know, this health this health uh, risk that I'm doing and you know money and everything. You, you know, you feel like in your self-image I'm on roads, so I want to make sure that, you know, my body is, you know, looking really good. And uh if that's like not happening the way that you want it to, or it's sometimes guys don't want a PCT or they don't want to cruise and just do TRT for a while. They always want to stay on cycle. uh, Because, because maybe that, that body image thing is going on. And the thing is, is that as you keep on doing this, uh, doing bodybuilding, you keep having higher and higher expectations for yourself. And that's usually where the bad body image comes from. Uh, because, you keep having these expectations of yourself of, of I'm doing this. I'm doing this hard work. I'm doing a lot of these uh, chemicals, putting them into my body. And I'm doing a lot of hard work in the gym and on my diet. And, you know, I, you know, I expect myself to be looking like a bodybuilder, you know, all the time uh, and, and have all these things uh, present, you know, all these qualities present. Uh, And no exceptions. (laughs) And so, you know, as that fluctuates, or as you're putting all that pressure on yourself uh, over time, yeah, it can create a bad body image. So the main thing is just learning uh, in life, patience, and learning to love the process of what you do. Okay, so if you're just sitting around all day doing nothing, That's not fun. So you choose to do bodybuilding because you think that seems like fun. All right. So you choose to do it. So you got to enjoy the process of getting there and learn some patience and know that, hey, just dreaming about having the end result, the body, that's that's not really what's going to give you the happiness that you're seeking from this activity. The happiness is in the climb. That's where, that's where the, the joy comes from. So this is a hard, this is a hard concept. This is a hard lifelong concept to learn and it takes a lot of patience and it's something that personally I'm trying to keep on my mind every day because that's one of the things learning to enjoy the process that's going to make you successful at what you put your mind to in your life because then you're in flow. You're not resisting yourself. Okay. Next question is from Hio who asks, Dan, I have a question for your podcast and myself. What is the minimum dose of pharmaceutical grade human growth hormone needed daily to cause permanent muscle hyperplasia so an increase of muscle cells not just size and not just temporary but permanent okay yeah so he's asking will the human growth hormone what dosage is needed in order to make it so that my muscle cells multiply okay there's two ways that things can grow there's hyperplasia and there's hypertrophy. Okay, and hypertrophy or hypertrophy it is when the cells that you have, they grow bigger. But then if you grow, grow new cells, more cells, so you add more cells, that's hyperplasia. So when growth hormone and testosterone are used together at a high enough dose, you can have an increase in the number of muscle cells more than you were born with and that effect seems to change the genetics a bit you know it doesn't actually change the genetics but it changes the way that your body could look or the limit of your genetics but on a different note that sounds really alluring saying that but if you just like came off of all gear you know, you're not going to look like you're on gear still because you got a bunch of hyperplasia from growth hormone. Look at the IFBB pros who have got some kind of illness from a lot of times just abusing steroids, and they've had to come off all drugs, and now look what they look like. They didn't get a bunch of hyperplasia uh, that was making them look like they're on drugs when they're not on drugs. So there's a limit to... What the hyperplasia effect does. like, Just think of human growth hormone like this, okay? It's really synergistic with anabolic steroids. So everything that uh, steroids do, well, human growth hormone makes those steroids do those things a lot better. Like human growth hormone and steroids together are the two most powerful ways that you can manipulate where the food that you eat where the energy from that food goes to what cells in your body okay so that's that's why you use growth hormone and you know as far as the hyperplasia or you could say getting a different look that kind of sticks with you you know anecdotally that begins somewhere around 4 IU of pharmaceutical grade per day but I'm talking very mildly Uh, and I'm talking over like, you know, more than a year and, uh, straight of using it with steroids at the same time, but really getting a lot of hyperplasia where, where things start growing like finger lengthening or foot lengthening, stuff like that. Uh, that's usually a combination of a couple things first using insulin with growth hormone at the same time. And then, second, usually the growth hormone above 10 to 15 IU per day. And uh, yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Or using IGF 1. The injectable IGF 1 has a major effect on growing body parts, growing heads, growing noses, stuff like that. Uh, so it's the synergy of guys using, you know, 10 to 15 IU's of growth hormone per day and up and insulin and injectable IGF1 those are the things that cause all the weird stuff with bodybuilders these days where they have like a weird head or weird hands or weird feet or a big gut a big pregnant gut it's those it's those three uh those three products being used together all right, so on to the next question. It is from Janana. What effects do steroids have on the mind and social life? Do they affect motivation outside of gym? Well, as I've stated before, they make you have a bit more like highs and lows emotionally. Uh, they make you a little bit more prone to uh, the the ebbs and flows of life affecting you and getting... Uh, initial reaction because they make they make the way that you feel about uh, events happening or uh, especially quick things happening like a car backfiring or (laughs) you know some type of loud sound they make they make your initial reflex or your reaction more intense and that goes with emotional things too like your emotional reactions that happen in the first second when you uh, are gonna have a reaction it can just be a more intense feeling on your body and so so that's how you they affect you there but but they also help sort of produce the essence of a champion or like a winner or a leader or some they 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 can be used like as a tool because they do allow you to focus on things more you you can choose one task and focus on it, get fixated on it, dwell on it, um, targeting behavior, uh, it's slightly improved in general, just in your life in general, uh, putting, putting your essence and, and your will into working on a project. Medium doses of steroids seem to help with that high dosages of steroids they just fuck up your whole life, so guys that think if if you think that you gotta you gotta take all this stuff and you gotta be being realistic here, not doing all uh adding a bunch of stuff to it because yeah, if you're taking five hundred to a thousand or even up to maybe like fifteen hundred milligrams total maximum of steroids per day or per week more like around a thousand though total. 500 to 1,000 total would be optimum. Yeah, it's going to give you an edge in your life all, all the way around, not just in the gym. It's going to give you a little boost all the way around in your life. But if you start getting up into really high dosages, like above 2 grams or above, no, that's just going to be detracting from your life in every way. Uh, detracting also even from your motivation for the gym. Because you won't feel very good. Okay, next question is from Ryan, who asks Hey Dan, what compounds would you take as a high functioning entrepreneur that wants to be lean and jacked while staying healthy and productive year round? I am currently on 200 milligrams test sipinate only, but I am considering adding in three to four IUs, pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, and 1000 milligrams metformin as well as low dose of a SARM and carterine and Yohimbine. What drugs would you take if money wasn't an issue, and why would you take them? Okay, so you're on 200 milligrams of testosiponate, or Uh Yeah, I would add in the growth hormone at 4 IUs per day. That's the the dosage that gives a really amazing effect, like a really good effect that you will really enjoy. But at the same time, there's not much noticeable side effects, really. Not much, not much at all for most people. So 4IU is the best dosage, 4 to 6IU. That's usually the best dosage for most people. Uh, so you're going to do that. Yep, the metformin put that in there with that too. Uh it's kind of a strange question. Like you're an entrepreneur that you want to be lean and jacked but healthy. Okay, this is how I'm gonna answer the question. If you want to be lean, jacked, healthy, then mostly stay away from anything oral. So uh, and because you're gonna have more energy if you stay away from oral steroids, except for just dabbling a little bit. Because things to take like Anadrol every once in a while or Anavar or Winstrol or Diana Ball, it can just be fun to be honest because it gives you a big boost in the gym, it can just be fun but they, they do make you more tired they don't they sap your energy a bit so if you want to be healthy and you want to be, and money's not an issue for me th- this is what I would do is, is I would take something like 2 cc's of testosterone and 2 to 4 cc's Of Primobolan per week, Uh, so that would be like somewhere between like four to five hundred IU of (laughs) test, four to five hundred milligrams of testosterone, and two to four hundred milligrams of Primobolan per week, and then I would do the metformin like you said, one thousand milligrams per day, when I woke up, and I'd also do the growth hormone, four IU per day, and divide that into two shots morning and lunchtime or morning and dinner dinnertime. Um, and that would be it. You could, you could really do a lot on that. You won't be an IFBB pro, but you'll be way more... You have the potential on that stack to be pretty damn healthy and be way more muscular than the average Joe walking around on the street. Like, everyone who sees you anywhere is going to know instantly when they see you that guy goes to the gym and lifts weights you can get to that level uh, using that so that's what I would do the next question is from Jordan hey Dan how do you go about AI dosage when transitioning from a blast to a cruise when should I start lowering the amount of anti-estrogen I'm taking oh yeah so when you're going from a blast to a cruise just uh take the dosage as needed if you're normally taking something like two to four tablets per week well the first week that you get to the to the cruise just keep on taking what you've normally been taking for that first week uh, of the cruise Cause the testosterone from the previous weeks is still going to be in your system, pretty strong at that point. And then uh, once once that first week is over, you can start experimenting with reducing the dosage, a bit of the uh, of the the antiestrogen, and keep on reducing it until you start seeing symptoms, and then keep it at a little bit more than that. Uh, the thing with the anti-estrogen is estrogen symptoms don't pop up overnight and then be permanent or something like that. If you get any estrogen effects, when you feel something like itchy nipples or it's kind of hard to pee or, or, uh, your face is very bloated or you have some acne or something like that. When you see that symptom, it's fine to just go take an Arimidex or an exemestane romacin or letrozole tablet. And then in a few hours, those symptoms go away. It only takes a few hours for those things to kick in and start giving relief of any estrogen symptoms you might be having. So these kind of things are things that they're low stress. Taking an anti-estrogen, it's a low stress activity. I think guys are worried like, oh shit, what if I get gyno or something like that, that they're going to get burned? Well, here's how you can avoid that. When you start taking the steroids, already have the anti-estrogen tablets with you. You can't take the steroids and then say, okay, if I get estrogen side effects, then I'm going to go buy a anti-estrogen Uh, chemical or or medicine Uh, that's that's how you get permanent gyno okay so what you do is you don't start taking any steroids until you already have the anti-estrogen tablets with you okay even if you have your steroids you can't start taking them yet until you've got those anti-estrogen tablets too that's how you're gonna avoid ever getting any kind of permanent uh, gyno or any kind of really horrible issues from having crazy high estrogen levels. So, like I said, if you start your cycle and you've already got your anti-estrogen on hand, then you're fine. And this is a low stress thing now. You've already done the work now dealing with your estrogen on cycle. It's a low stress thing. If you get some symptoms... Just take some antiestrogen, and there'll be a normal amount of est- antiestrogen that you know makes you feel good each week, and you'll troubleshoot it. You'll figure it out. Just experiment, taking another tablet here, or another another cup, or another less tablet there. And no, this is not medical advice, and I am not a doctor, and I do not recommend any of this. I'm just having a conversation, bro. So, the next question is from Cher, who asks, Hey, I had a question. Do I really need to do cardio if I'm trying to lose body fat? Would it be possible to reach, like, around 8% body fat without it? So, this is the thing, is that the guys who say don't do any cardio, those are the guys that started out already skinny, and then it's, like, crazy hard for them To gain weight, okay? (laughs) And so then when they cut, if they do cardio, they lose muscle. And so then they say to other people, oh, no, no. Because you look at them because they're lean a lot of the time, right? So it's natural to to look at them and ask what they do. But this is because of genetically how they started in the first place. uh, Was they were like small and skinny. And then that skinny gene keeps them lean while they get muscular on roids. Uh, Most people who are not like that have to do cardio. I'm sure that anecdotally if you look back over time when you were on your feet the most and exercising the most and if you played a sport ever or something like that or you can just look back at times when you were doing cardio or doing more cardio and doing not. I'm sure that Almost without fail, whenever you were doing more, you weighed less, and whenever you were doing less, you weighed more. Cardio has a massive impact on a person's weight, it just does. You're burning up calories at a huge amount. So, say someone has 2,500 calories per day that their body uses for maintenance. Well, now you go do a hard cardio session and you're like a big muscular guy. For an hour and not even a hard cardio session, like a medium cardio session. Well, that's like almost a thousand calories right there, like eight hundred to a thousand calories, depending on what you're doing. Uh, which is forty percent of something like forty percent of your entire day's energy metabolism being added on to it. Like it's such a massive difference, and people can say, Oh yeah, just do the diet. Well, some people like to eat they there's some of these guys that are skinny naturally they don't like to eat either and so when they uh they don't mind like not eating and not having food in them they're always kind of nauseated just to begin with but a normal person no they still like to eat food and so you're going to have to add some other way to get the energy deficit deficit And it's cardio. Cardio should just be a thing. All bodybuilders would be better off doing more cardio than they do, myself included. What I really like to do as far as cardio is something that I learned from Stan Efferding. And that is going for 10 to 20-minute walks after I eat my meals. I like to eat my, my meal, and then after the meal go for a 10 to 20 minute walk with my dog and that's something like 30 to 60 minutes of cardio there per day and then after my workout i do 20 to 30 minutes of cardio on the bike so it adds up to something around like an hour per day but i want to do more want to do more and more intense cardio too okay Next question is from Joe who asks, so currently on 200 to 250-ish Trenbolone and Anthate a week and 300 testosterone, 300 milligrams testosterone. I'm cutting on 2,250 calories per day. I'm getting trend sides like weird dreams and heat at night, but I don't look too full. I look decent pumped, but other than that, I'm looking natural. Should I up the trend? Yeah, you're running into right now you're running into the fact that steroids can not do too much more than doing anabolic things with the food that you give them. So that's not a lot of food. (laughs) 2,250 calories is not a lot of food. If you're at all active, that's like a huge deficit. And if you don't give the, the Trenbolone the gasoline the fuel the food to do its thing it can't do its thing so really all it can do is just provide some kind of cosmetic effect which I'm sure that you see some difference from being natural just in the way like your arms look etc but as far as it building muscle and being super anabolic it doesn't really have anything to work with so if you're on Tremblone you should be eating something around 3000 calories and still be able to cut 3000 calories per day and still be able to cut. Cause that stuff, it changes the ratio of how your cells take in, uh, take in food or take in energy and nut- nutrition from the bloodstream. And also it slows down the excretion of protein from the blood. So you got to be taking advantage of these things, man. And, uh, you know, eat, eat all those carbs after your workout, eat that protein throughout the day and get swole on trend, get swole on trend. Next I don't think you should, I don't think you should up the trend. I don't think you should up the trend. I think that the problem is that you're not eating enough food and I don't, I just think that that's the end of the story. The next question is from Brumbalicious. Hey, bro. I bought the e-book and loving it so far. I had a quick question for you. I'm going to start a test e-cycle like you recommended for the first one. 750 milligrams a week. You spoke about taking anti-estrogens concurrently with cycles. Which one and what dose would you recommend for this beginner cycle? Or because it's low dose, do you not need an AI, just PCT afterwards? Yeah, I would definitely put the the antiestrogen in your cycle, that's definitely needed. I wouldn't start taking that testosterone until I had the antiestrogen. Cause you're taking 750 milligrams per week. And that's definitely in more than ninety percent of people going to cause them to have high estrogen levels. And you gotta have something to you got to have the medication to battle against that before you start taking the steroids and giving yourself the possibility of that happening. So what you do generally is starting out, what most people do is starting out with letrozole, arimidex, or exemestane. okay? And one tablet of any one of those drugs uh, two or three times per week. Starting about the second week or the third week, after starting the 750 milligrams per week of testosterone and then adjust it, adjust the anti-estrogen dosage taken out or adding a pill according to symptoms and side effects. That's the way most people go about dosing their anti-estrogens. But yeah, man, it's really important to have that. So I would never do a, Steroid cycle if I didn't have anti-estrogen tablets with me before I started because then If I got estrogen side effects or my nipples started swelling up or got really itchy or uh, If I had high blood pressure and I had a lot of water retention in my body or a swollen moon face or my prostate got really swollen and I was having a hard time peeing because my prostate was swollen up like a balloon or I had whitehead acne from high estrogen levels. These are all these things I just now said. Those are all things that can happen when you have high estrogen levels. So if you have an anti tablet, if you ever get any of those symptoms, just take the, the anti-estrogen tablet. But this is the reason why. People take an anti-estrogen uh, tablet on a testosterone cycle is to prevent from having to feel any of those uh, not fun at all situations that I was just talking about there.
0: If you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroids podcast on
1: Instagram until next time.